2: Great experiences start with great sound. Great whiskey starts with great sound, too. We work with Myers Sound to create our black noise sonic enhancement process to reverberate against the aging barrels to release more flavor. We did all of this so Blacken would redefine the category and help you make some great experiences of your own. Blacken! Whiskey remastered. Find it at your local retailer or blackandwhiskey.com.
0: Hello, folks, and welcome to the Metallica Report. I'm Stefan Shirazi, editor of the band So What magazine.
3: And I'm Renee Richardson, director of philanthropy for Metallica's foundation, all within my hands. This is your official weekly Metallica podcast. We are bringing you all the news from the band's HQ and studios deep in the heart of Northern California.
0: This week, we go all next generation as James Hetfield talks about Caster's journey into the world of music and Rob Trujillo discusses Ty Trujillo's bass style and sensibilities.
3: Plus, we talk with two fans, mom, Yvonne Hernandez, and her daughter, Jennifer, and their very special shared Metallica experiences as two generations of fans in the family. And when you listen, I think you'll hear how Metallica's music fuels them. It's a common theme throughout our Metallica report.
0: It is indeed. Absolutely. And, and just to get back to Bastard and Otto for a moment, I, I think one of the cool things about them is that they both continue to grow and morph and develop into their own bands with their own very individual identities. Mm. And look, they've both certainly grown a hell of a lot since I first saw them. They're very compelling live acts in their own styles and other. I'm going to spare you more waffle here. Just go and check them out when they hit your town. Okay.
3: Okay. And as you will soon learn, if you don't know already, Bastardane calls Savannah home. And that is a stone's throw away from where I am right now. So I will see you at the Southbound Brewery on October
0: 14th. Mm-hmm. Excellent. I'm doing Good. what I'm told. Yeah, that's right. <laughs> Good stuff, as you should. And you will not be disappointed by those boys. I guarantee it. By the way, look, I must also give a shout out to Miles and Lane Ulrich's excellent band, Taipei yes. Houston. They are another force of their own unique nature, and they are going to feature on this pod in the future. I saw them in London during the summer when they were open for the Melvins. It was, uh, yeah, what a captivating duo they are. And and again, growing so much. uh, Very exciting to see. We're going to get into them in the future, for sure.
3: Definitely looking forward to that, Steph. And we are about to hear Papa Het talk about his son, Caster. But before we do, guitar players and collectors, please note, Ernie Ball has released the new Papa Het 72 Seasons Master Cores. These are James's signature guitar strings. And Uh, I mentioned The Collector for you. We've got the limited edition yellow tin to celebrate. You guessed it, 72 seasons. Yay. Uh, It's in the Metallica store. You can also find them at guitarcenter.com. Okay, back to James. Hetfield spoke with Steph recently about Castor and his band Bastardane. Just listen to the wide-eyed joy in James's voice as he reflects on being a dad of someone in a band. I'm sure some of you know the feeling.
2: My journey with Bastardane and Castor, him and I drove out from Denver to Savannah in a Honda Fit to Savannah College of Art and Design and thought, you know, he's going to learn what he's got to learn. What is? I don't know what his path's going to be. He had gone to a few other places. And then he finally said, you know, I want to go back to Savannah. I'm done with college. I want to go back to Savannah and hang out with my buddies back there because I like this band that we've been playing in. So he went back and I didn't hear much. You know, I know they had a different drummer and I know he loved playing with them. And then I just started hearing some of the stuff he was writing and playing with them before their first album they did. You know, he was sending me some stuff. It was unique. It was fantastic. And, you know, in my mind, I'm thinking, where the fuck did you learn to play drums like this? He can play guitar. He can play piano. He can play bass. And all of a sudden, it went from, you know, some guys goofing around to, this is some pretty cool songwriting. So, Ethan, Jake, and Sterling, and Caster. Them playing together has somehow, I mean, I think especially him and Ethan, Ethan the guitar player's Pretty fantastic and really challenges Caster in time signatures. So I know Castor really likes Mashuga and some really out there kind of stuff, you know, Mars Volta, things like that. Sometimes I think it's too advanced. <laughs> and I think you guys gotta simplify. No one's gonna like your stuff. It's too hard to grasp onto. But then when I go and I listen to them, they are so unique. They got a thing. To me, they they've got a real sound, a real groggy sound that will allow movement. You know, it's, it's not strict, even though it is very complex. Having a son in a band and not helping him out is the most difficult part of it all, you know, cause I want to help him. I want to say here, do this, do that, do that. He wants to do it all himself, which I absolutely respect. And I've just gotten the hell out of the way. I see him driving around in the F-150 with four other guys. They got a U-Haul trailer with their gear in the back and other bands are in sprinter vans, have other people driving their stuff around. And he's like, I don't want that. I want, I want to, I want to, but he's very aware of that. He is a down to earth, hardworking soul. And, uh, I want him to shine the way he's supposed to shine. It's like they're struggling, but they're not. You don't know you're struggling until you think you are. And they're not struggling. They're having a fucking blast. And I get to see that every Saturday. I'm so grateful to have him out here. There's there's tears every time I see him because I just can't believe it. Because I see the joy he has in him. I can absolutely be in his shoes at that moment. Here's what he's going through. He's got no worries, he's, you know, whatever. He's eating pizza, he's sleeping on the floor and he's playing music that he loves. That's success and happiness for him right now. And it brings tears of joy to me.
0: I I don't know about any of you out there, but to me, I just heard a proud dad talking. Yeah. Not James of Metallica, not Celebrity Dad, none of that crap. I just heard a proud dad. That is very cool.
3: And it certainly is not how my dad would talk about me if I joined a band.
0: <laughs> what is that? Come on. You can't throw that out without some uh, some context. My, what does that mean? My
3: father is not open-minded like that, Steph. <laughs> not at all. <laughs> I think
0: it's incredible that
3: James is able to step back and give Caster his space that he needs to be his own musician and be his own guy. It's cool.
0: By the way, Bastardane will be continuing their mid-M72 Saturday night takeover gigs in St. Louis and Detroit. Uh, Otto just wrapped their M72 stint up. But look, keep an eye on both bands' websites for further gigging information. So these parent-child Metallica relationships are everywhere. They're not just uh, in the band itself. Oh, yeah. Yeah, There's clear evidence that they're all over the fan community, whether Mm -hmm. it be at the M72 events where we're seeing a great mixture of mums, dads and kids, or just in the world in general. And uh, we were fortunate enough to run into Yvonne Hernandez and her daughter Jennifer. Uh, They have been fans for many, many years. Uh, Their journey together as mom and daughter plus Metallica fans involves a little bit of mom and little one headbanging. Of course. (laughs) Yeah, (laughs) As you do. Uh, It involves their band, The Blondes, which, uh, well, I I won't explain it. Let's just have them talk about it all.
1: I first heard Metallica in 81. I had just graduated high school. So you can do the math. Yes, I'm old. (laughs) When Jennifer was really small, she would listen to different music in the house all the time. And it was extremely funny when she was five years old and she would headbang to Metallica. She loved playing the drums and like when Guitar Hero came out and Rock Band, we were all over it. We were like, finally, we can put our skills to the use and really go at it. We had our own band. We called ourselves the Blondes because we both have blonde (laughs) hair. And we would always purchase, you know, the Metallica songs, and we we had we spent hours doing that. My dream is to tell James and the rest of the group how thankful I am for their music and how much it's helped me get through even my depression because of the reflex sympathetic dystrophy. It affects you know your nervous system. For me, it's 24/7. Once it's more brought on, so. I listen to them immediately when I'm not feeling well. I feel like they're like an armor and they're there for me during my infusions, during my hospital visits, during everything. It feels like there's always a song for every point in my life that I've gone through.
0: Thanks again to Yvonne and Jennifer for sharing their stories, uh, which clearly show how important Metallica has been and continues to be for this family.
3: Now, let's move down to the west side and hear from Rob Trujillo on Ty. Given the historic appearance they made together with Suicidal Tendencies at the rescheduled M72 show in Phoenix on September 9th, it's fitting that Rob took some time to discuss their shared history with Suicidal Tendencies and how each approached playing the songs and how Rob views Ty as a bassist.
5: Well, Ty started working with Suicidal Tendencies about three years ago. There was a a call from Mike Muir seeing if Ty would be available to play a particular show where uh, Rod Diaz, um, who was playing bass with him at the time, wasn't going to be able to make. So Ty filled in, and I remember seeing that. It was in San Pedro at a punk festival, and I was like, wow, Ty's a great pick player as well as a finger player. So that feel for the punk and the thrash and everything was already there, and he could handle it with a pick so you know it was almost a better fit than myself you know back in the day his style of playing suited in my opinion the band uh, you know better than I did even so it was exciting for me to see I remember he jumped on the riser and the minute he jumped off the riser and landed on his feet he got just bulldozed down by Muir who was running through like a linebacker or a fullback and just knocked him on his butt. And he, but he got right back up. He didn't miss a step. That was kind of like the christening, but, um, he's definitely earned his own stripes. He, you know, Mike's not going to take somebody who doesn't hold it down as a bass player. There's no way he's the last person that's going to do that. And, you know, he had enough respect and he'd been paying attention to Ty as a, as a musician to trust and know that he could deliver as a performer and as, as a player. So he's held his own. And, um, it just so happened that they needed an opening band and, uh, our management team who used to actually manage suicidal tendencies wanted suicidal to jump on board and and fill that slot and uh and I don't even know that necessarily the band members knew That Ty was, you know, playing with him or still playing with him because I remember seeing a text and uh, James said something like, who's playing bass? It was like, well, Ty is, you know, (laughs) like that. Oh, cool. You know, for Ty, it's super awesome. But at the same time, he's a humble dude and he'll get up there and he'll play in front of however many people there was 10, 20, 30 And then maybe there's actually, um, you know, a few thousand or whatever. I mean, he'll do the same thing in a pizza parlor or a bowling alley gig. You know, I've seen it. And that's what I love about him. He's uh, he's always going to deliver no matter who's watching or how many people. Uh, he just loves music and performing. A lot of the songs that he's playing now, which are the older ones, the way he's playing it is very authentic to the way they were written and recorded. So that's a little different than myself and how I played him. So I really appreciate that he's naturally going in that direction, like his style of performing and this is very natural for him it's not he's different than me you know i i kind of play lower i'm a little more lower center of gravity he's a bit more like cliff in a way sometimes you know i feel that there's a natural kind of uh i i don't know they they especially when ty's hair was long it was like you know when he was he was uh you know, he was know, 13 or 14, 15, somewhere around there. And some of his, I don't know, just reminding me of that more. He used to play an aria too. Uh, Ray Burton gifted him. Uh, the Cliff Burton model. And that was his main base for a while. So he, he, I don't know. It's just, you know, he's his own, he's his own player, you know, especially these days, but people always say, Oh, you know, you and him, you know, you guys, he may, we look like each other, but I think stylistically he's, he's definitely his own player. you
3: know. Their shared journey is unique for sure. I can't think of another one like it. And it's, and it's so cool to hear Rob talk about Ty as a musician in his own right. With an observer's eye, you know, like versus a dad's eye, you know what I mean?
0: <laughs> you sound a little miffed that uh, uh, they got such good parenting from uh, these kids from, from from their dads. Am I right? <laughs> What's see. going on here?
3: Is a bit of my personal life showing here? <laughs>
0: yeah, maybe a little bit. I don't know. As I uh, tune in next I just- week.
3: I just think Ty is lucky, Rob is lucky, James is lucky, his caster is lucky too.
0: That's right. There's a lot of luck in this week's pod. Uh, Let me also say uh, that Rob is obviously an avid fan of his son's band, Otto, and we are going to have RT on here in the future to talk about that. By the way, according to his official Twitter feed, Otto are one of Ozzy Osbourne's favourite new bands. And I quote The Mighty Oz, This is one of my favourite new bands. I've known the bass player since he was a kid, which he has.
3: (laughs) You know, not to belabor it, but Ozzy, another dad I wish I had.
0: <laughs> <laughs> I've got i got to tell you, I, I had the privilege of spending several years uh, working with Ozzy on various projects. You- and yeah, yeah. And I love him. He's absolutely brilliant. Warm, funny, unique. I mean, everything you want to believe about Oz, you can. He's, he's wonderful. And uh, by the way, Oz, uh, you know, best of health. And let's hope we see you soon.
3: That was Otto's Dance of the Dead. And earlier you heard Bastardane's Masquerade. Be sure to check out Bastardane's album, Is This Rage? and Otto's Life is a Game LP to hear more from those guys. Uh, That's all for this week. Next week, we are going to be previewing the upcoming mega show at the Empire Polo Club in Indio, California, early in October. It's Power Trip.
0: Yep. I'm going to be there. Looking forward to it. But Look before we go 37 years ago today at the 27th of September Cliff brother we we still really miss you <laughs> The Metallica Report is produced by Metallica HQ, Pantheon Media, and PopCult. If you like what we're doing here, please rate and review us wherever you get your podcasts. Be sure to visit metallica.com slash podcast to submit your questions, offer your thoughts, and become a part of this podcast.
3: Copyright 2023. All rights reserved.